Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. You got to drill for oil to get it, and you got to get oil to make diesel. And we talk about oil and diesel here on the podcast, so that's why we call it Drilling Deep. We also have a guest each week, and this time around, we're happy to welcome Lindsay Trent. She is the president of the Next Generation and Trucking Association, and that's what she is focused on, the next generation. The kids coming through high schools that are going to be needed to get into trucking and hopefully stay there to allow this industry to continue to do its job. I'm going to urge you here to read my article that published Thursday on FreightWaves.com about why diesel is so much higher than crude and gasoline compared to historic relationships. It isn't just your imagination. The normal spread you see at the pump for gasoline versus diesel is way out of whack. The Energy Information Administration that puts out the weekly diesel number that is used for fuel surcharges, well, it also puts out a gasoline number at the same time. A year ago, diesel was about 37 to 38 cents more than gasoline. Today, based on the price that came out this prior Monday, that spread is more than $1.20. Putting it into percentages, gasoline recently was about 77% of the diesel price. A year ago, it was about 88%. That's a big move. What happened? A lot of things, and that's what the article is about. I'll try to sum up some of, try to sum up some of the main points here. I look to the work of Phil Verliger, a longtime energy economist that I've known for eons. Phil has always had a focus on diesel as a driver of oil prices, really more than I find in most analysts, and he certainly sees the impact of diesel now. He lays out a lot of reasons why diesel is rising at a far faster rate than crude and gasoline during this run-up. Almost none of his reasons are short-term in nature. They've been building for a while and have finally come home to roost with the tighter post-pandemic market. Russia and its loss of diesel supplies is one reason, but the longer-term trends are his focus. For example, he notes that diesel has been going through years of requirements, not just in the U.S., but internationally, that sulfur be mostly removed from it. You can't really remove it. You can't get down to 0% sulfur, but you can get down to a very low level. Those moves do have a significant beneficial environmental impact, but it is expensive. It takes a lot of capital investment to build desulfurization capacity, and a lot of money has been sunk into it over the years. But if the world needs more diesel, you can't just pop out more desulfurization capacity overnight. In line with that, Phil cites the marine fuel requirement known as IMO 2020 as having an impact on diesel prices. We could go on for hours about this, but let's try to keep it simple. IMO 2020 went into effect in 2020, obviously. And the steps needed to make the fuels that complied with the tighter rule were predicted to be a force that would work to tighten up diesel markets. That was in late 19 going into 2020. Of course, what happened is that just a few months after the rule went into effect, the pandemic hit and the demand for diesel and everything plummeted. So the prediction of a tighter diesel market never really got a test. It's hard to separate out the impact of that now from everything else going on. But the same conditions that were going to lift diesel higher more than two years ago are still in place, and Phil sees it as having an impact on today's diesel market. There are other factors. A lot of low-sulfur crews that would be great for making low-sulfur diesel have seen their output drop because of problems in their home countries like Libya or Nigeria. Natural gas is so expensive in other parts of the world compared to the U.S. that in Europe, a product called gas oil, which is very similar to diesel, is being used to generate electricity or other industrial applications instead of natural gas. Add all these up and you have a diesel market 
that looks like it may have moved to a permanent higher ratio to crude and gasoline than has been the case in the past. One piece of good news about that, if that is true, then what will happen is that refiners will do everything they can to make more of it. They'll put in some capital investment. They'll try to change the crudes they use. They'll squeeze and they'll twist and they'll turn their way into maximizing diesel output any way they can. Why? Because that's where the money is. But if that means that diesel will adjust back, it isn't going to happen anytime soon. We're going to move on now here on Drilling Deep. I was introduced to Lindsay Trent at the recent Truckload Carriers Association annual meeting. We had a brief discussion all standing at somebody's booth uh, about what her company is doing. Actually, I won't refer to it as a company. It's called the Next Generation Trucking Association. She is the president. And it's a fairly new organization. And as she was discussing it, I thought, I've got to have Lindsay on Drilling Deep. So, uh, Lindsay, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So why don't you talk about your background first before we get into the association? Sure. So I, I have been in trucking for 10 years. I started off doing driver staffing, and I worked with companies and helped them find um, drivers to hire um, or to fill in for open positions. And then for the last four years, I worked for Ryder in sales. Um, and within that, uh, for the last two years, we started dreaming up this association and we started forming that. And today I can say that I am now full-time with the Next Generation and Trucking Association. So who was we? Did the idea come from Ryder and then they brought in other people? So, you know, the idea actually came from, um, I was at a conference talking to some different people and somebody mentioned to me that there was a guy out in California named Dave Dine who started a high school truck driving program. And I called him and we started talking and we really dreamed up this idea of creating an industry-wide solution for the industry-wide problem. We've known for years, one of the biggest issues is the driver shortage. And so what we decided to do was to create a nonprofit trade association where the industry really could come together to work on workforce development. And what we're trying to do is to create a skilled and diverse workforce for trucking. So CDL programs, uh, diesel tech programs, we're trying to raise awareness about trucking careers with middle school and high school students. Um, we have good careers that are in every community and you can make a great living at these careers, uh, but also then create programs where these um, students can be trained as a diesel technician or as a CDL driver. All right. So the, I'm going to talk about something I pulled down from your website. So it, looked, it, it almost kind of read, read like a like a help wanted ad uh, under the banner of high school career technical school. Let NextGen come and help you set up a CDL driver program, medium heavy duty truck technician program, or supply chain program. We will consult with you and provide you the curriculum and partnerships in order to get your program moving forward. Schedule a meeting with us today and let us help you get started. So now you, I guess you kind of maybe had a, a blueprint from this uh, gentleman in California. You said, David, I didn't catch his last name. Um, and uh, so talk about how you would go into a high school and what you would do for them. Yeah, so we actually meet with high schools quite often, um, and they're very interested in providing programs that are good for their students um, and good for their communities. And so we've actually, they've actually been coming to us, requesting us to help them get 
the program started. So typically, Dave and I will meet with the school. Um, we, we can do it over Zoom. Um, we'll meet with their, you know, superintendent, principal, their uh, director over career technical education. And um, it's about an hour long meeting and we go through the, the program, what it entails. We go over the curriculum um, and then we follow up and, and give them, you know, the layout of the program and the curriculum. Um, and so we're just trying to help these schools be able to start these career tech ed programs. So a lot of school ha- schools have other tech ed programs programs. Um, and we're hoping and helping them get trucking programs started. Now, what kind of uh, capital investment would a high school need for this? Do they need a tractor? Do they need a simulator? Uh, is it just a, a, a classroom, a short-term classroom program to introduce them to the, the, the prospects without actually any hands-on work? That's a great question. Um, there is federal funding. It's called Perkins funding, and it goes to Career Tech Ed. And that's $1.3 billion every year uh, that goes to um, CTE programs across the country. So um, there's also can be state grants, but it does require, I mean, it doesn't require, but we, we highly recommend a simulator or two. Dave has Dave's program, Dave Dine at Patterson High School in California. He has two simulators um, and he's got actually a track truck and a trailer that the truck and trailer were donated um, and then he also, this year, he just got a um, golf cart and utility trailer to help with backing skills. Um, and so so it does require a little bit of capital get, to get started. And most schools um, seek grants or the Perkins funding to get these programs started. I mean, it sounds to me like like the program, I mean, we, we're, first of all, where is Patterson High School in California? It's in Central California. Okay, so it sounds to me like they're probably ahead of most of the other schools, or or maybe you sat down with any school, uh, schools that have embraced it as, as much as he has. Are there any that kind of go into your Hall of Fame, your the early Hall of Fame of the next generation in trucking? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's uh, now since we've started and we've met with over fifty five schools um, to start trucking programs. Um, we've started a program in. Um, Washington State and Kentucky um, coming up will be Maryland is starting a program. Pennsylvania has started a program. South Carolina has started a program. So there are some programs that are being started out there and there's more to come. It's a really exciting time. Um, and we all know the time is ripe because young people now know what the supply chain is. They know that there's a driver shortage and they know that drivers are essential workers. And so um, what we need to do now is to be able to get them trained to the, the trucking careers. Um, so instead of going into maybe welding or plumbing, why can't we get them introduced to our industry and get them trained in our industry? And that's what we're trying to do. I don't want to focus too much on driving, just on driving, because uh, when ATRI, the uh, the Transportation Research Institute arm of the uh, American Trucking Associations, when they came out with their top 10 list last November of the biggest problems or the biggest, I shouldn't say the biggest problems, but the biggest issues facing the industry for the first time ever, number 10 was driver mechanic shortage. And uh, you do say in your various information that looking at mechanics is a, a big deal. I would imagine maybe the capital outlay to 
train a diesel mechanic is less than the capital outlay for dealing for training a trucker. I don't know, maybe not, um, maybe not. But anyway, so talk about how how that program. There's so much focus on trying to get drivers, but I mean, if, if the, the trucks can't get get repaired. That's a big problem. I was I can't remember who I was speaking to who was saying, you know, this is a this is going to be a big problem for a new driver today if they've got bills to pay every month. And they go down, and they they can't get that 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 uh, truck fixed in three weeks. That's three weeks of zero revenue. That's so, right. uh, how, how are things on the mechanic side? So, schools are there are probably about a hundred and sixty some diesel tech programs at high schools today, um, and some of those are ASC certified, and some of them aren't. Um, and so we are affiliated with those programs. We've met with different high schools as well that are interested in starting a diesel tech program. So we're hoping to get more started. You know, the sad thing is, is there's 1,400 automotive programs that are around the country. Um, so we have some catching up to do with the diesel tech and we know we need um, diesel technicians. So, um, you know, what we're trying to do is to get the industry involved in their local diesel tech programs at the local high schools, if they have one in their area. For instance, right now, next week, my local high school that I'm on the advisory board, they're having a career fair for their 21 graduates that will be graduating from their diesel tech program as seniors in high school. Um, and they're really excited to start working. Um, they and they they've been in this program for three years and they've got good skills that that can be built upon, of course, but they have a good foundation. And we're excited to to get those young students out there and trained. And those students are excited to start working. They don't have an interest in going to college. They want to start their career, um, and they're serious about their career in, in, in trucking and, and becoming a diesel tech. I've got to ask you a little more about this school, 21 out of one school. I mean, that's a, that just seems like a tremendous number to me. Um, and, and you said this is your local school where you live in, I believe, in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? That's, that's, uh, how big is the class that, that they could yield 21 diesel tech students? Yeah, so it, the, it's a fairly new program. Um, you know, a lot of it lies with the the school, the area, and the teacher. Um, the teacher at this school is great. I've met so many great diesel tech high school student teachers, um, and they're passionate about what they do. They're passionate about these young people getting trained. I was talking with him a few months ago, and you know what he said to us? He said, you know, I told my students that after a few years of working, if you're not making $60,000, then you're not doing something right. And then in the same breath, he said, most of these kids, their parents don't even make $60,000 combined. So the upward trajectory of life that we're helping these students get on is completely changing their, their whole family dynamic, their whole future outlook in life. And it is just such an exciting time to be a part of the transportation industry. Let me ask you, for, for a student who went through three years of diesel tech training, how many hours a week did they do that? Uh, how, what, what kind of class schedule was it? That's a great question. Usually um, it's a couple hours in the afternoon or a couple hours in the morning. So a lot of times in, they'll take you know their English, math, science courses in the morning and then the afternoon they'll go to the the lab or the shop where they'll they'll learn diesel mechanics 
Yeah, let me point out, too, that uh, whereas if you have somebody who graduates from a program like this as a truck driver, maybe they don't necessarily have a CDL, but they go through a truck driving program, they are going to be limited, somewhat limited. They can't drive interstate yet. We know that. Diesel mechanic, if you've got your certification, you can go anywhere. There's no age limitation until you're 21. Just get, get your hands dirty and get right in there, right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you know, you, you, it sounds to me like you're you're dealing with uh, people who maybe don't go that far in life geographically, and uh, they could take those skills and go anywhere. That's right, and that's one of the great things about trucking is it's in it's in urban settings, it's in rural settings. Every state, every region, there are trucks out there, and so um, we are an essential industry. And, you know, you look around and 70% of what you're looking at was brought to you by truck. And so young people need to know that um, if they are in the trucking industry, what they do is vital to our society because they do want to make a difference. Young people also want to know that maybe if they want to be an entrepreneur someday that they can be. And so we have so many opportunities in trucking to build those career paths for these young young people. Um, the sky's really the limit. And you talk to a, an executive at a trucking company, um, a lot of times they started off as a truck driver. So, you know, trying to just convey the opportunities within our industry to these young people and getting them excited about the trucking industry is what we're all about. Yeah, there's there's a lot of focus. There's been a lot of uh, articles uh, over the years about the state of vocational education in the U.S. That maybe the U.S. has backed away from it too much, and they're trying to send too many kids to colleges when they can do something like this. They can go into vocation. They're not college material. They graduate, and they're making pretty decent money on day one, and they don't have massive debts uh, the way a lot of college students do. What is your perspective on the state of vocational education in the U.S. today? I'm sure you've seen a lot of it. That's a great question. Um, so vocational training, they now call career technical education or CTE. And I see that there is a large focus on CTE programs. And so young kids are looking at the traditional path that was told to them, you go to college and you get between twenty-five dollars and $50,000 worth of student loan debt. Some's more, some's less, but that is what the average student is graduating from today, um, according um, to the federal government. It's twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt, and they're questioning that model. They are questioning whether or not that they should go that route, and that's why we have got to provide them other opportunities and avenues to get into the trucking industry where they don't have to go to college. The other thing that we can we can do and provide is college opportunities while they're a truck driver. They could do online classes. And I, I met with a school re a company recently that will pay for um, their drivers to take online classes if they would like to do that while they're in their sleeper berth. So um, kind of thinking outside of the box and it doesn't College doesn't have to be college and working right away doesn't have to be either or, you know, you either go to college or you start working. Why, why can't it be and why can't they start working and maybe eventually go to college if that's what they want to do? Um, and so just thinking outside of the box and providing other opportunities for these Gen Zers is what we, we need to do. That's what they want. Um, and, and that's what we can provide. 
Yeah, I know that I wrote a story, an article several years ago about U.S. Express, which had rolled out a benefit to its cust- to its drivers, uh, its employees, and not only could they take an online course, but so could their uh, so could their families. So you're kind of on that right track. So let's talk about how your organization is set up and funded. Uh, companies are encouraged to be members. Companies to join. I gather, I gather that's where your your funding comes from. So. So you've only been around for a year, so this is still fairly new. How many companies have taken the plunge? So we have about 155 members. We are completely member-funded. And so in order to work on our mission, we need the industry to join our association. Um, and, And what we like to say is we are all about the student because we know that Um, we need truckers, we need diesel techs. That is what, you know, keeps our industry going. Um, It keeps our economy going. But the biggest impact that we can have as an association is really changing a student's life. And we see that day in and day out when these programs are started, when these kids get introduced to them and they see a different path for themselves where they can actually make a good living and do something that they like and be successful in life. It completely changes their outlook on life. And things go completely differently for them. So we need the industry to get online, join our association. They can send me an email if they want to learn more and we can meet about their area and getting a program started in their area. Um, My email address, it's lindsay at nextgentrucking.org. You can find us online at nextgentrucking.org. But we are a nonprofit working completely on the mission of career development for young people and introducing them to careers in the trucking industry. So a company doesn't get anything out of this specifically, but they know that they're contributing to an effort that the industry as a whole needs. Well, they, you know, they get, they, they get stuff out of it because we, we are connected to all the diesel tech programs across the country. So we can connect them to their local diesel tech program. Um, we can um, meet with their local high school to get them um, started on a CDL program or a supply chain program, if that's what they're interested in. We're also creating educational resources. Um, so providing um, educational resources for companies. Um, you know, we, we've got everything that you can think of in terms of getting young people into the trucking industry and providing those resources is what we're trying to do. And so for our members, we have that, that information for them. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that some of your most fertile ground out there would not necessarily be in some affluent suburb, but maybe a more rural area. You know, it is. Uh, rural areas are very, you know, the, the, the students are very interested in learning about trucking. Um, there's companies in the area that, that are interested in, in getting these students to work for them. So we have been very successful in, in rural settings. Yes. Right. I also just I want to jump back here too. you. You talked about like local diesel tech programs and we talked a lot about high school uh, vocational education. I know it's CTE. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Programs. But I guess are you also getting students into, let's say, you know, a privately owned trucking school or a privately owned diesel tech program if there are such things? 
Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of partnerships with um, UTI, for instance, um, or private driving schools, Carl's Transport in in Wisconsin, or even companies that hire um, and want to do training, their own training. So what we're trying to do is just bridge connections between education and industry and really make a difference. So we're partnered with community colleges, with private driving schools. Um, it's about feeding them students and building that workforce for um, carriers and dealers out there. I guess the last question I have of it, you know, you open, you open your doors in 2021, and this is just so obvious. The need for this is so glaring. What took so long? <laughs> That's such a great question. <laughs> You know, the timing has been really ripe with the Safe Driver Apprenticeship Program, with the huge needs for drivers, for diesel technicians. There's such a huge focus now. Schools are extremely hungry to start good programs for their communities, for their students. Um, We are just finding so much success in meeting with educators and administrators, and, and young people are excited. Gen Z is excited. They don't necessarily want to go to college. So the timing is ripe. It did take a while, but we are moving in a great direction, and we would love anybody that's interested to partner with us. We have drivers and diesel technicians that have joined our association just because they believe in what we're doing. Um, and, and we just, we just love the mission of what we do. We're doing, we love changing a student's life and putting them on a, a different path that makes them successful in life. And, and that's what we're all about while benefiting our industry and creating that skilled, diverse workforce. You know, there's so many tough things in the world, but if I'm a young person today, I will say this compared to, let's say, myself, uh, the job opportunities in so many fields are staggering because everybody's looking for workers. Everybody is more, there's more and more willingness on the part of companies to train people in those skills. And in that sense, it's a great time to be a young person. It is. It is. And, but we have a lot to offer in trucking. We've got technology. Um, we, we, there's so many, you can become an entrepreneur. We make a difference in, in society and the economy, what we do matters. So young people are attracted to what we do because of all of those things. I want to thank Lindsay Trent. She has been our guest here today on Drilling Deep. She is the executive director, excuse me, the president of the Next Generation Trucking Association. Look her up on the web. Their their group does great work, as you've heard today. Lindsay, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was so good to talk with you. You have been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the FreightCast family of podcasts from FreightWaves. You can find us on all of the leading podcast platforms. I've been your host today, John Kingston, and please join us again. Yeah.